Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, right there at the beginning. Genesis chapter 14. We are going to finish up a series today that we've been talking about for the last four weeks, Types and Shadows. Types and Shadows. I hope this has been helpful to you. It's been a a deep dive in some of the Old Testament books, some of the stories and experiences of the Old Testament, and we've been seeing how they point to Jesus. Again, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed, but the New Testament is Jesus revealed. There are people that, that show us the character and nature of Christ, though they themselves are imperfect and fall short. They are a forerunner of the perfection of God's completion, what he intended for all of us to be. How many of you know it's important that we be like Jesus? Uh, less of us and more of him. Can I have a good amen? Uh, we talked about this several weeks ago. We, we crossed the Red Sea with the Israelites, and we, we spoke of how that pointed to salvation and how Moses was a type of deliverer, just as Jesus has delivered us. We baptized so many people across all of our campuses. Uh, then we talked about temptation. We talked about how Adam was tempted in the garden, and where Adam failed, Jesus prevailed in the wilderness and how Adam, the first Adam fell short, but the last Adam, he crossed the finish line. How many of you were here last week and you heard Pastor David Ray talk about complaining? Come on. How awesome was that? Stay off of the complain train. Choo-choo. Man, let that thing go on by. You you don't want to go where that train's going. And it's so important that we keep our eyes and our words pointed in the right direction. Today, I want to talk to you about generosity. If you're taking notes, write down the word generosity. I know this is a big word, and it means different things to, to different people. But I want to kind of do a look at a... I don't know if I've ever... In fact, I'll tell you this. I have never preached a message on this particular person. I researched my, all my files... And, And I looked up all the notes that I've taken and sermons that I've preached and messages that I've learned from and heard over 27 years of ministry. And not one time have I preached on a guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Some of you are like, Melchizedek who? We'll call him Mel for short. Uh, But the Bible, how many of you have heard of this individual Melchizedek? Okay, about half of us have. Uh, He's kind of a mysterious guy. Uh, He has a unique encounter with Abram, uh, soon to be Abraham. We know him as Abraham, but at at this particular time in Abram's journey, in Genesis chapter 14, Abram means exalted father. We know that God changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many, father of a great nation. But this is a unique encounter between Melchizedek And Abraham, God told Abram, he says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. I want you to leave what's familiar, and I want you to take a step of faith. How many of you know God will call you out of what's familiar, and he'll say, put one foot in front of the other, and trust me. Some of you are on that journey right now. God promised to send Abraham, Abram, to the promised land. 
This was a land that would be flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance. And there was a great promise, not just for Abraham, but for his seed for generations. He'll say, he said, I'll make a great nation out of you. God spoke this promise to Abram when he was 75 years old and he had no children. And yet God was saying, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And this is, let, let me say this, because I know many of you are watching the news. You're seeing what's happening in the world. I think it's important as a church that we keep our eyes on what's happening in the Middle East. I know sometimes we can get tunnel vision and our jobs and paying our bills and raising our kids and what's LSU doing, what about the saints and all this stuff, and we can kind of get in our bubble, but it, it's important for us as a church that we keep our eyes on what's happening in Israel. This is why we pray for the nation of Israel. When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I will bless those who bless you. That's why we bless the nation of Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I do want to say this. It may feel like things are spinning out of control, but please know this. God is in complete control. And the world stage is being set for the return of Christ. So, beloved, be not afraid. Lift up your eyes, for our redemption draws nigh. God wants us to, to position our hearts to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We bless Israel because God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. How many of you, you want to be under the blessing of God? But we don't have to understand all of the, the geopolitics of, of an area that we're not familiar with, but we need to have an understanding of Scripture and how God is preparing the church for his return, and Israel is his chosen people. Um, it's important that you know in this particular part of Abram's journey, he, he was traveling with his nephew Lot. And uh, they're, they're, both of them were incredibly blessed, and their shepherds began to fight among one another, and so they, they parted ways. Abram told his nephew, look, you, you choose. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want the right, I'll go to the left. It's interesting how Abram deferred. He had the authority as the older. He was the uncle. He, he was the elder. But he says, I'm going to defer to you. Listen to me. When you have a promise, you don't need to fight for a position. When God's given you a promise, Abraham told his nephew, listen, we're family. Let's don't fight like this. We're family. Don't fight. I'll defer. You, you choose wherever you want to go. That's fine. I'll, I'll take what's left. You see, Abram had a promise. He didn't have to fight for a position. So they parted ways. And the Bible tells us that war breaks out. There are nations that begin to fight. And Lot gets captured. And so Abram rescues his nephew and recovers everything. I, I thought that was interesting. A rescue and recovery. Some of you have lost some things in life. But the God who sees you, the God who loves you, will rescue you. And redeem everything that's been lost. We pick up the story in Genesis 14. After Abram rescues and recovers everything for Lot, he runs into a guy named Melchizedek. And here's the exchange between Abram and Melchizedek. Genesis 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And, and blessed be God Most High, 
who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth. Somebody say a tenth. A tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. Now, who is this guy, Melchizedek? There's three verses in Genesis 14 that only paint a small picture. We, we have a, a, a glimpse as to who he was. Now, if you read in the book of Hebrews, we have a very extensive picture. And I don't have time to unpack all of that today. In fact, if you're following along in the podcast this week, we will uncover this and speak more to it. But for, for, for this setting, the Bible tells us that Melchizedek was king of Salem. We know that Salem would become Jerusalem, which is the place of peace. So this guy, Melchizedek, was the king of peace. Does that sound good to anybody? Oh, man. In a world of chaos and strife and confusion and division, Melchizedek was the king of peace. In fact, his title means king of justice. So he is the king of justice and the king of peace. Hebrews says this about him in Hebrews 7 verse 3. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever resembling the son of God. Isn't that interesting? There was no record, no history of his lineage. I mean, you could go to ancestors.com 23andMe and not find any information about him. How many know there's a phrase that we use in the South? It's, it's called mom and them. You ever heard that? Somebody say mom and them. You know what a mom and them is? Yeah, when you see somebody that you're supposed to know, but you don't really know them, and you're trying to find out who their people are, and so you say, hey, all right, yeah, how's your mom and them doing? How's your mom and them? What are you trying to do? You're trying to figure out where they came from, who their people are. Melchizedek didn't have a mom and them. <laughs> According to the scripture, there was no record of his beginning or the end of his life. Now, some theories say that this encounter that Abram had was with an angel. Some say that Melchizedek was a righteous man, maybe one of the sons of Noah, Shem, is one of the scholars' thoughts about it. Some even believe that this was the pre-incarnate Jesus himself. Why is Melchizedek so important? Because in this prophetic passage, look at what it says in Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You see, what we'll see in Scripture is Mel Melchizedek is a type of Jesus Christ. And what we'll find in this exchange is that you and I, we see ourselves in Abram, okay? Melchizedek was a priest with no beginning and no end. He was the king of Salem, Jerusalem, the king of peace. And he has this moment with Abram. He makes a covenant. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple thoughts that will help guide us through this conversation this morning. And I want you to write this down. Number one, write down the role. We're going to look at Melchizedek's role. He was both king and he was high priest. Now, when we understand his role, it'll help us understand the role of Christ. As king, a king was full of power 
and authority. A king's responsibility was to govern and to protect. A king can give a word and people begin to move. When God places something in the heart of a king, he has the power to move things forward. Melchizedek was a king, but he was also a high priest. If you, if you know the role of the priest throughout scriptures, the priest would represent the people to God. People could not approach God. Uh, God was sovereign. He was powerful. He was mighty. And we didn't have the authority to approach him directly. So we needed a priest to represent us. Priests would offer sacrifices on the behalf of the people. If you and I were to sin and we lived thousands of years ago during ancient biblical times, we couldn't go directly to God. We needed the priest to represent us. He speaks for us. He sacrifices for us. There are some instances in the Bible where you see kings trying to become priests and they were judged for it. In 2 Chronicles 26, we see King Uzziah going into the temple to offer sacrifices, and immediately God struck him with leprosy. God says, Uzziah, stay in your lane. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your lane. King Saul, do you remember Saul was waiting for the priest Samuel to offer a sacrifice so they could go to war? Samuel was delayed, so King Saul offered the sacrifice himself. And when Samuel arrived, he said, Saul, stay in your lane. In fact, Saul lost the kingdom because he tried to operate as both king and priest. And yet here is Melchizedek. He has the rare assignment of being both. Melchizedek was the exception. Jesus is the perfection. I, I love this. The role of priest and king is super important. And in Christ, we must know him as both king and priest. He offers sacrifice for us. We'll see this. He didn't have to offer sacrifices again and again because he was the perfect sacrifice. His sacrifice was complete. It was perfect and it was permanent. You see, in Bible days, they had to sacrifice constantly. How many of you know the people constantly sinned? Man, we are prone to sin. It's in our nature to sin. And so man, when we fall short, man, we have to bring a sacrifice to the Lord to atone for our sin. And Jesus said, no more lambs, no more goats, no more calves, no more rams. I will be the perfect sacrifice. So he offers himself once and for all. Now, not only is he our priest, but he is our king. Because the Lord is preparing. You see it happening in the world today. The Lord is preparing his people for the return of the king. He will come in power and authority. He will sit upon his throne. When we say yes to Jesus, we thank him for his sacrifice, but we honor and revere him as our king. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. When we bow our knee to him, we're saying, my life is not my own. I am a servant to your purposes. Lord, what is pleasing to you? Because that's what I want to do. Can somebody say amen? amen? His role as both king and priest. Now, number two, write down the word resource. 
So not only do we see the role of Melchizedek, but let's see the resource in this passage. Read with me again verse 18 of Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of God Most High, brought Abram some what? What did he bring him? Bread and wine, Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. I, I love this. Abram is coming back from battle. He just rescued Lot from being captured and recovered all the goods of Lot and his family. And the Bible says when he met up with Melchizedek, Melchizedek brought him a gift. You know, the older I get, the more I love food. If you ever wonder, what can I get for my pastor that'll just bless him? A gift card to Ruth's Chris would be amazing. <laughs> I love me some Flemings, little village. Come on, talk to me. Man, look, if you were to bless me with a gift card of food, we would be friends for a long time. You ever get hungry? You're driving down the road. Sometimes Rachel and I'll be like, man, I want to eat. What do you want to eat? I don't I said, baby, do you have a gift card anywhere? How many know, ladies, it's a good day when you dig in that purse and you find a gift card to a place to eat? <laughs> Melchizedek had resource. He blessed Abram with food and wine. You say, Mike, why is that important? Because bread, this bread and wine was significant because bread and wine is the food of covenant making. Notice what's on the menu, bread and wine. Does this sound familiar? You see, Melchizedek was a type of Christ, but this experience here was a picture of foreshadow, types and shadows. This picture was a foreshadow of communion. When we come together as the body of Christ, what do we do? When we sit at the Lord's table, there's bread and wine. The bread represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The cup, it represents the blood that was shed on Calvary. Think about it. Think about bread. Think about the cup. The bread says, I am with you. The cup says, I am for you. Watch this. Because God wrapped himself up in flesh and walked among us. When you have that bread, you're recognizing the presence of God in the earth today through Jesus, that Jesus came to this earth. He walked a small corner of our planet, and our world has never recovered from his visit. The bread represents his presence. God, you are with me. But then the cup represents his sacrifice. God, you laid down your life for me. When Jesus would stretch out his arms on Calvary, there was no greater expression of love. And guess what? When we say yes, we enter into covenant because God has offered us bread and wine. Are you with me? This is a big deal. You need to know when you go to work tomorrow, God is with you and he is for you. You need to know when you're walking the hallways of your school that the Lord himself is with you and he is for you. When you're going for that interview, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God is with you and he is for you. When you're standing up and you're making that presentation, listen, you have confidence because the God that you serve, he is with you and he is for you. When you're walking through hard times in your marriage, oh, take courage. God is with you and he's for you. When your resources seem to be running 
and low, God is with you and he's for you. When your kids aren't acting right, God's still with you and he's for you. When the world seems to be falling apart, my God is with me and he is for me. Bread and wine is the food of covenant making. We're in covenant relationship with God. Are you seeing this? This is amazing. Melchizedek, his role was king and priest, but then he brought resource. He gave something to Abram. I love this. Hebrews 7.22, the Bible says, because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. Listen to me. We have a better covenant because it's based on better promises. I'm thankful for the Old Testament, but I'm grateful for the presence of Jesus. I'm thankful for the cross. You know, I'm glad God made a way in ancient days for sins to be forgiven. But now when I fall into sin, I don't have to find a priest. I don't have to find an animal. I don't have to sacrifice anything. I come to the altar in, in my sinfulness and I say, Jesus, would you help me? Oh, this is, you see, listen, Melchizedek was the one who initiated this, and he paid for it. He initiated. Abram didn't know who Melchizedek was, but Melchizedek finds Abram and gives him something first. Do you know that God has initiated and paid for the covenant that you and I get to enjoy? It was God that saw us in our sin. And he sent Jesus. He initiated. Heaven initiates. Heaven doesn't wait. Heaven initiated something. And then he paid for this covenant through the blood of his son, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Look at what God gave. He gave heaven's best. Look at when he gave it. He gave first. And look at how he gave. He gave sacrificially. Hear me, church. God's heart drips with abundance for you and for me. Somebody say the role. Say the resource. Now say the response. Look at what it says in the last half of verse 20. Then, here's how Abram responds. If Melchizedek is a type of Christ, and Abram, we find ourselves in Abraham, look at the response. Then, Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now notice, Melchizedek initiated and paid for the covenant. Abram simply responded with the resource that he had when he won the spoils of war. He gave one-tenth. Somebody say 10%. This is where we get the tithe. This is where, if the law first mentioned, this is where tithe is first mentioned in Scripture. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Tithe? I'm not talking about detergent. I remember a story, Joyce Meyer saying that some lady mailed her a box of tithe detergent because she kept hearing Mama Joyce talk about the tithe. No, T-I-T-H-E, which literally means 10%, one-tenth. You say, I thought that the tithe was just a, an idea that a group of preachers got together and came up with. This is a way for preachers to get money from people. <laughs> no, no, no. There's biblical precedence here in the Old Testament. You say, 10%? Do you mean God wants me to give 10%? It's amazing to me how some people 
They have no problem giving Visa or MasterCard 19 and 20 percent. But when God says 10 percent, oh, wait a second. No, wait, wait, that can't be God. Oh, and I've heard some people say, well, listen, I'm, I'm not under the law. That, that's Old Testament stuff. I'm New Covenant. I'm, I'm under grace. I'm, I'm a New Testament Christian. Oh, really? You want New Testament standards? Jesus told the, the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Uh, Pastor, I like that 10% option a little bit better. I know people get funny when you talk about money. But listen, here's the response of Abraham. We've already passed the offering plate. There's not going to be another offering at the end of this service. So just take a deep breath. But I'm trying to teach us where generosity comes from. This was introduced before the law of Moses was ever written. So the, the tithe, 10%, was established before the law. It was confirmed by Moses in the law, and then even in the New Testament, read Matthew 23 and Hebrews 7, Jesus reaffirmed the tenth, the tithe, in the New Testament. The tithe is just the beginning of generosity. Abram's response to the covenant he entered into. This is why as a church we prioritize the tithe. Do you know that we everything that comes in, we immediately take 10% and we set it aside for missions. What you give the tithe of that helps us to reach people all around the world immediately. And then anything on top of that is offerings and projects and moving the kingdom of God forward. I, I, it's, it's, it's funny to me. I remember when the kids were small, uh, Alexa, we, we were at Walmart, and of course they put the candy on, the, on the, the lower shelf. So you're going through the checkout, and candy is at eye level. So she was begging me for some Skittles and Got her some Skittles. Man, we got out of Walmart in the car and headed home. Hey, Alexa, can, can I have some Skittles? Nope. How many know you don't have to teach your kids to be stingy? You got to teach them to be generous. I said, baby, just, just a handful of Skittles. No, sir. I said, listen, who do you think bought those Skittles for you? She said, Mama. I said, where do you think mama gets all of her money? <laughs> right here. I bought those Skittles. I paid for those Skittles. I sacrificed for those Skittles. I could go back in that store and buy every packet of Skittles. I could buy the whole shelf of Skittles and rain Skittles down on your head. <laughs> I'm just asking for a handful. Listen, out of 10 Skittles, God says one belongs to me. If you will honor me with one Skittle, I'll bless the entire bag. How many of you know you can't outgive God? This is big. You know what? It's incredible. I had a lady come to me a couple of months ago, and she gave me a little pouch, a little container that had two small eggs in it. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. I wonder what's the story with the eggs? She had a note inside, and this is what she wrote. She said, four months ago, I began my journey of raising chickens for the first time. This weekend, I received the first eggs. It took a lot of work and even more faith to get here, but I couldn't think of a better offering to the one who helped make it possible. Proverbs 3, 9, 
Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. Then God will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Somebody say, good wine. See, honoring him. Abram established the tithe in response to the covenant that Melchizedek had initiated and paid for. What is our response? You know, I want you to see this video testimony of a family in this church. It, it touched my heart to hear the story of their journey, and I felt like it was important for you to see. I know this is going to bless you. Why don't you turn your attention to the screen and see how generosity works in this one family's life. To my Healing Place family, as some of you know, my sweet son Pearson went home to be with Jesus unexpectedly in April. He loved Healing Place Church, especially his youth group, and looked forward to his Wednesday nights every single week. In fact, he was known to tailgate in his lawn chair waiting for youth to start. Pearson loved being in the house of the Lord. Shelly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Tell us about Pearson. He loved Jesus, for sure. That was always a part of him. And just being around youth, just the environment of love and, and felt included and wanted. And he had a lawn chair that folded all the way out, like rest your feet up. And so apparently, I found this out later, that he would go and eat a sandwich and just tailgate. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. Well, you know, it, it fits the culture of South Louisiana because tailgating is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And if you're going to tailgate, I guess no better thing to tailgate than the, the church. Yeah. So hanging out early and enjoying yourself <laughs> along the way. Yep, yep, he did. Pearson was full of life. He had a big personality. If you knew him and he knew you, you knew you were loved. He made you feel loved. He was the biggest encourager. He, um, sorry. He was a sweet, sweet boy. Happy birthday, dear Peter. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. You wrote a letter to the church. So powerful. And I think it summarizes his life and your heart better than anything that I could say. Would you mind reading this letter you wrote to the Healing Place family? When I closed his bank account, I selfishly wanted to purchase some plants so I could watch them bloom and think of my sweet boy. But the Holy Spirit quickly reminded me something more can come from it if I give it as his final offering. While the amount is not a lot, I know wherever it is allocated, it will be a part of giving someone the gift of eternal life. If it goes towards a pastor's salary, they get to hear the good news. If it's a part of the utilities to feel the coolness of the AC on a hot day, they will be comfortable. Or if it's to purchase communion cups so someone can participate in the body and the blood of Jesus, or to help emissions bring news of joy around the world, or to maintain the beautiful landscape so someone might feel welcome just to come in by driving by, or any of the outreaches provided by Healing Place, or to the youth group, the youth of our community have a safe and holy place to fellowship. Wherever it goes, it will meet a need. 
the Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. And I have full faith that His final offering will be a part of changing someone's entire world. And that is exactly what Pearson would want and more beautiful than anything I can bloom in my backyard. With love, Shelley Lacey on behalf of Pearson Faulkner. When you closed out his account and you said, I want to give this to the house of God. I know this is what Pearson loved. How does giving his final offering give you hope? It gives joy. It has the opportunity to truly change someone's life. If one person's life is accepted for Christ, then what else could you want? Well, Shelly, on behalf of your Healing Place Church family, I just want to say thank you for sharing your journey with us, uh, honoring Pearson's life. And this act of faith and generosity, it's not just for this moment, but I know God's going to use it to multiply His impact and use the kingdom to touch so many people. So I honor you, I honor Steve, and we thank God for you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Come on, can you stand up with me all across this place? Can we stand for a moment? Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. I wanted you to, to see a small example. Really, it was a big example. Huge. Not just for that family but for all of us. The power of generosity, not only does it touch this moment, but it has impact for generations to come. And when you think of the short time that God's given us here on earth, our gifts, time, talent, treasure, touch, the giving of ourself, it has the, the, the kingdom potential to shape somebody else's eternity. What Abram did in that moment, little did he know that thousands of years later, we would be talking about it. We would be standing here. And our generosity as a church, and I want to say this, this message fits so well with your heart because there's a spirit of generosity in this house. You give of yourself so beautifully, day in and day out. But when you think about what Jesus did for us, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know. The price that he paid, the sacrifice he made. So what is my response to a God who at every moment in history, he's only given me his very best. Can I do no less? Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Lord, you take all of me. The 10%, yeah, that, that, that's fine. But you get not just 10, you get everything that I have. Because when you are king, it all belongs to you anyway. How many of you are thankful for the price that Jesus paid to forgive you of your sins? 
Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.